Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 95, Taxation Today versus Taxation Yesterday. I'm not an economist. I took economics when I was in school, so I have a fairly good basic knowledge of how the economy works. And essentially, when people go out and earn a living, whether they're self-employed or if they work for someone, they hopefully are compensated for their time and their efforts. If you work for someone, the employer will pay you for your productivity and your time. And when they give you a paycheck every week or every two weeks or whatever, they will have taken taxes out of that check. Those taxes are paid in to the government. Some of them uh, go toward Social Security and Medicare, which are things that you are personally funding for your future use, but they are services provided to you by the government. So the government keeps your money, uh, hopefully in safekeeping, while other people are continuing to pay into both of those programs as well. And hopefully there's money there to pay you back when it's your time to use those services. And the money that is paid in to federal taxes is used to fund our federal government. It pays the salaries of our public servants from the president all the way down through Congress, and it takes care of our park system and all of the things that we enjoy as American citizens. So what happens when the country, the Congress that makes the decisions about how the money is to be spent, what happens when they're spending more money than is coming in? Well, you go into debt. But that's not a big deal because we control the treasury and the treasury can print more money. Yeah, it kind of just comes out of thin air, so to speak. So when Congress cuts taxes for corporations or for people, 
they're basically cutting their income. And they have to find a way to justify that loss of income. Very often, they will tell us that cutting the taxes for the wealthy will create lots of new jobs because the wealthy people are the job creators. I seem to remember George W. Bush saying that. And with all these additional people working and paying taxes, then that kind of makes up for it. Except, in reality, it doesn't really work that way. So, let's talk about taxation today versus taxation yesterday. If you ask people about taxation today, chances are most will tell you that they don't think it's fair. They'll either tell you that everyone's taxes are too high, or they'll tell you that the rich don't pay enough taxes. And if you ask people yesterday, years ago, if you could go back in time and ask them about taxation, they would probably tell you the same thing. So let's talk for a little bit here about how taxation today differs from taxation yesterday. Let's go back to the 1950s. The 1950s was a period where the United States of America was growing very rapidly. And in order to respond to this growth, infrastructure programs were undertaken to make life easier and more convenient for the American people. And one of the largest infrastructure projects, I think of all time, was the interstate highway system that for the first time connected major cities in America with other major cities from coast to coast. And this system was so much better than the system of roads that existed previously. Before, most of the major highways were two-lane roads that would go through lots of small towns. There were lots of twists and turns, and you couldn't really go in a straight line anywhere. You had to kind of veer around, and everyone knows that the shortest or quickest way to get from one place to the other is in a straight line, and very often the two-lane roads that we had before the interstate system Eh, it wasn't really a straight line. So it could take days and days and days for people to go visit relatives, for instance. And of course, many cars back then did not have air conditioning. So if it was a summertime trip, 
it was a hot and sweaty and tiresome experience in most cases. But we were able to do things. And the reason we were able to do these things is because the taxes that the American people were paying into the system were being spent to make improvements, to make everyone's life better. And back then, if you were wealthy, you had a pretty high tax rate. If you go back to the 1950s when Dwight D. Eisenhower was the president, the tax rates for the wealthiest Americans, the top tax rates, were over 90%, 91, 92% in some instances. Now, of course, <laughs> nobody paid 90%, okay? If you made a million dollars a year back in the 1950s, you were very wealthy. But nobody paid $900,000 of that million in taxes. But to be fair, even with all of the deductions that were available at the time, if you were in the top tax rate, you probably paid close to half of your income in taxes. So if you earned a million dollars a year, you would keep about $500,000 of it. Now, you might say, wow, that's really unfair to the wealthy. But <laughs> at the time, if a person earned $10,000 a year, they were considered to be an executive. It's true. So $500,000 a year, you were still incredibly wealthy. And during the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, corporations paid a higher tax rate than they do today as well. And so there was more money coming into the system, even though we had, you know, we had fewer people, but the people that we had, the corporations that were in existence at the time, were paying taxes that were able to support what the government was spending. And throughout the 60s and 70s, a lot of these projects that had been envisioned came to fruition. And these are things that we still enjoy today, although so many years have gone by that there is now some maintenance <laughs> that has been missed that is direly needed. And the Biden administration and the Democrats have put forth an infrastructure bill that is supposed to address a lot of these issues. Didn't have a lot of help from the Republicans in getting that bill passed, but it did pass. And so today we have a situation where we've kind of flipped in a way. Back in the 1950s, the wealthier Americans paid a higher tax rate than the folks who didn't make as much money. 
And today it's kind of flipped for most. You'll find that the middle class and the lower middle class today, when you look at the tax rate as a percentage of their income, most Americans are paying a higher tax rate as a percentage of their income than the wealthy. And this is because of repeated tax cuts that have happened under the Reagan administration, the George W. Bush administration, and the Donald Trump administration. These are all Republican administrations. After decades of tax cuts, the effective tax rate that is paid by the wealthiest Americans has plummeted. It's nowhere near what it was years ago. And some people will say, well, that sounds like a pretty good thing. But when you cut taxes for corporations, those have plummeted as well. And you cut tax rates for the wealthy, you are drastically cutting the amount of money coming into the federal government. And that's where you start running into a problem with debt. And that's not good for anybody because the wealthy who have businesses need to have good roads for those businesses so that their customers can get to them. And they want to live in places where they have clean water and sewer systems that work properly and they have a good police department and good fire department and a nice airport and good schools and good public transportation. They want all of the things that you have to have a tax base that can pay for these things. And when you start cutting away at it over a period of time, you run into a situation where the debt starts to increase. So, over these years, because the income tax rates for the wealthiest Americans have dropped so much, the wealthy have accumulated unprecedented wealth like never before. And part of that is because they're now paying a tax rate that's lower than middle class Americans. And not only has their income tax rate dropped, but other taxes that mostly impact America's wealthiest citizens have also dropped, like the corporate tax, because the wealthy often own the corporations. <laughs> and the most recent tax cut would be the Trump tax cut that was heavily promoted by the Republican Party back in 2017. And most experts have described it as a handout to the rich. It helped push the tax rate down for the 400 wealthiest households so that they are now lower than the rates for almost everyone else in America. Think about that. You take the 400 
wealthiest households in the United States, and they are now paying a lower tax rate than pretty much everybody else in the country. So do you think that's fair? Are they paying their fair share in taxes? I mean, come on, let's let's face it, the top 400 wealthiest households, <laughs> they could pay millions of dollars a year in taxes and they wouldn't miss any of it. <laughs> so, This is where the problem begins, because somebody has to pick up the slack. And what happened is that middle class, working class, and poor families have not really benefited from the drop that was seen in income and corporate taxes just because their income wasn't that much to begin with. And they are now paying more in payroll taxes, which of course go towards Social Security and Medicare, which will benefit them down the road. But overall, their taxes have pretty much remained flat, while the taxes for the wealthier families have dropped a lot. And <laughs> this is not a recipe for success for the country. And one of the biggest reasons that the federal debt has exploded is tax cuts on corporations and wealthier Americans have reduced government revenue to the point where it no longer is able to sustain the spending of the government. So that's where we get into, you know, deficit spending and the debt goes up and this debt ceiling thing that we're hearing about in the news right now was something that was put in place as a, they viewed it as a checks, a system of checks and balances to make sure that Congress was spending taxpayer money responsibly and they weren't going out of control. But what it has turned into instead of a checks and balances system is it has now become something that the Republicans largely use to manipulate the Democrats into voting for things that the Democrats normally would not vote for. They, they use it as a threat to the Democrats. And for that reason, it probably needs to be abolished, in my opinion. The money that has been approved by Congress already to be spent and the money that is being spent will now has now hit this debt ceiling and <laughs> they spent the money. So all of a sudden now they're going to say, eh, you know what, we're, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling, so you can't spend any more money now. That doesn't stop the fact that the money's been spent and we have bills that are due that need to be paid. So 
to say that the Republican Party is being incredibly, hugely irresponsible by even threatening to not raise the debt ceiling is an understatement. So just to kind of give you an example of how damaging these tax cuts have been, let's let's go with the 2017 Trump GOP tax cuts. The first full year of the Trump tax cut, which was 2018, the federal budget deficit increased by $113 billion. And at the same time, corporate tax receipts, income coming, you know, in from corporations, fell by $90 billion. And those things, when you compare them, you see that the corporate tax dropping by $90 billion accounts for almost 80% of the deficit increase. See how that works? <laughs> and naturally, the wealthiest people in the country are the ones who likely own the big corporations. So in order to find a way to profit from this, America's wealthiest families basically finance the debt in America by lending the federal government money. And the government pays interest on that money to these wealthy Americans. And as federal debt continues to increase, these interest payments also begin to increase. Recently, interest payments on this debt hit a record $475 billion. And the Congressional Budget Office, CBO, predicts that interest payments on the federal debt by 2023 will reach 3.3% of gross domestic product, and by 2052 will reach 7.2% of gross domestic product. And the biggest recipients of these interest payments actually are the wealthiest Americans. A lot of people think that we're borrowing lots and lots of money from foreign entities, and we do to some degree. Yes, we do. But it's mostly going to wealthy American families. So how does this work? Here's how it works. The wealthiest Americans will put money into treasury bonds that are held by mutual funds or through pension funds, banks, insurance companies, hedge funds, personal trusts, and estates. So they use all of these 
um, tools, let's say, to make money on their money. These are things that are not normally available to most average Americans because, well, <laughs> most average Americans probably don't have any money in the stock market. That's something that's normally reserved for just the wealthy. And this is how the flip-flop has occurred from the 1950s when the wealthiest families were paying the most in taxes and the poorest families were paying the least in taxes. So now the government pays interest on the money that they borrow to finance the debt that <laughs> in essence is there because we've cut taxes on the wealthy. Do you see the, the scam here? The wealthy have been able to buy politicians since the mid-1970s, and I have discussed this several times. 1976, the Supreme Court decided that money was free speech and that you should not limit the amount of money super wealthy people should be able to spend on politicians. Because if you do, you are inhibiting their right to have free speech. I think that's completely wrong. I think that's one of the stupidest decisions the Supreme Court has ever made because when you say that money is free speech, well, that is a right that is supposed to be granted to all Americans equally. But all of a sudden, when you throw money into the pot, it's no longer equal because not all Americans have the same amount of money to spend on politicians. So it's completely unfair and it needs to be fixed. And then two years later, Congress came back and decided that corporations are people too and that corporations should not be limited. Again, idiotic, an idiotic decision. But they have bought the politicians and they have convinced the politicians to give them tax loopholes and all of these special things that are not available to typical Americans. And they have a way of stashing their money into these uh, tools that they have available to them. They will buy an asset and then they'll get a loan on the asset and live on the loan money. And they have ways of transferring assets between trusts and limited partnerships and back and forth. And they find a way to make money on their own money that typical Americans, if you want to make money on your money, you put it in one of the wealthy Americans' banks and they will pay you, what, a measly, if you're lucky right now, you get, what, 3.4% or something like that in interest. Some of the big banks are offering less than 1% still, even with all of the uh, 
um, increases by the by the feds on the interest rates. So anyway, so these banks and you know all of these things have money to loan out, and they do, and the government borrows money, and the government now is borrowing money from these wealthy trusts and banks and stuff like that, and is paying interest on the loan, and the interest goes back to the wealthy who are loaning the money out, and the money is being loaned because the government is running a debt, and the government is running a debt because the Republicans have cut the taxes for the wealthy and the corporations so much that the income now no longer meets the needs of the country. So it's just a circle. It's a scam. <laughs> and the interest payments are going to continue to increase. And we have huge inequalities in America right now of income and wealth. And a lot of it is because the wealthy have had the money to buy politicians. And it's basically legal to bribe politicians in the United States of America, thanks to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So how do you fix this? Well, I think it's glaringly obvious you have to increase taxes on the wealthy and you have to increase taxes on corporations. When you have some of the biggest, most profitable corporations in the world paying essentially zero income tax in the United States, it's a problem. It is a problem. And the system is rigged to favor the wealthy and everybody else picks up the tab on it. So that's where we're at. And that's why things are such a mess right now. And so when you hear Republicans in Congress talking about we've got to cut spending, well, <laughs> they can cut spending going forward, but that has nothing to do with the money that has already been approved to be spent in the past. And that is what the debt ceiling impacts, is the money that has already been approved to be spent, and the bills are already accruing on the money that Congress already approved. So the debt ceiling is a no-brainer. They have to pass it. They shouldn't talk about it. They can't use it as a tool to negotiate anything. They just need to pass the debt ceiling. And then Congress needs to actually do its job and get rid of the debt ceiling and sit down and say, gosh, we don't have enough money coming in to meet the needs of the country. And we have billionaires who are paying less than 3% of their income in income tax. Obviously, if you've got middle-class families paying far more than the wealthiest people, you got to increase the taxes on the wealthy. But they don't want to do it. 
because some of them uh, fit in that wealthy category. So they're going to be raising their own taxes and they don't want to do that. And they don't want to piss off their donors. Because when they start raising their taxes on their donors, you know what the donors are going to say? Well, I'm not going to be able to donate, a.k.a. bribe you with as much money going forward because it's going to go to taxes. It's selfish and it's greedy. And it's the Republican Party that is doing this. The Democrats last Congress tried to pass bills that would have cleaned up some of this mess. Not all of it, but some of it. You got to move forward, apparently, in little baby steps in order to get anything to go through these days. And the Democrats had a bill that was going to clear up some of the dark money that flows into politics, and they were going to try to do some repairs to the tax uh, rates so that they would be more fair for everyone, and the Republicans would have none of it. None of it. There were a few Democrats that wouldn't support it also, but the fact of the matter is none of the Republicans did. So this has been a change that has occurred over a period of decades. It uh, started pretty much during the Reagan era, and taxes have gone up and down and up and down a little bit. But... What we have right now is your taxes. If you're, if you're an average American, if you're middle class, lower middle class, working class, a larger percentage of your taxes, this excludes the wealthy, everyone else's, a larger percentage of your taxes are going to the wealthy Americans in the form of interest payments. And when you're paying interest on debt, that money does not go for government services that everybody needs. That's why they say, oh, we can't afford this or we can't afford that is because we are paying $475 billion in interest payments on debt to the same people who caused the problem. Basically, if the wealthy paid their fair share, we wouldn't have this issue. So do your own research, folks, and check it out and see what you think. And when you realize that you're being scammed, pick up the phone and call your representatives in Congress and tell them that you know you're being scammed and that you demand that they fix this or you will make it a personal goal to make sure that they are voted out of their seat the very next opportunity that you have. And then follow through on it and share the information with other people. This is the only way that we can deal with this is at this point we've got to vote these people out and bring in some people who are going to do the right thing for America as a whole. Because even though I don't have a master's degree in economics or, or business administration or government or anything else, I can tell from my basic knowledge of economics 
if you put more money in the hands of the majority of the people, which would be the the poor and the the working class, the lower middle class, the middle class, that group of people, if they have more money available to them in the form of increased wages, in the form of lower taxes, uh, because the wealthy are now picking up their fair share for a change, they will spend that money. And that will drive our economy. And it trickles up because the wealthy own the stocks and they own the corporations and they've got, they own the banks and all of the trusts and the hedge funds and insurance companies and the big estates and all of that, all of that stuff bubbles up. It goes up. It doesn't come down. It trickles up because that's how it works. The roots feed the tree. And everybody profits from it. But they are so greedy right now, they don't want to let go of any of that. And greed is one of the seven deadly sins. And it's a big problem. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great day. And unless you have other plans, of course, this will, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a podcast this coming weekend. This uh, podcast should hit on Friday, February the 3rd. Saturday and Sunday, the 4th and 5th of February, I probably won't do a podcast unless something earth-shattering happens. I am still doing research on my special series on President Nixon, and that's taking a lot of time. So my next podcast will probably be on Monday. I'll try to get it out Monday afternoon, so some of you will get it right away, and if you subscribe, and others uh, probably get it on Tuesday. So I'm going to tell you just in case I don't talk to you between now and next Monday or Tuesday. I hope you have a great weekend, unless you have other plans. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm -hmm.